why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. This is the Reasonable Voices News Talk radio program, and I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. During this time of the coronavirus, COVID-19, or as one of my professional medical guests corrected me, it's actually SARS-CoV-2. But until further notice, I've decided to dedicate the Reasonable Voices radio program to reminders of how we Americans have weathered many hardships before and came through them stronger together. However, this is not a happy talk show that will ignore or deny reality. We are in a bind, and not just because of the coronavirus COVID-19. There are a number of major challenges all of us are living through in America every day and having to deal with it in every situation, condition, communication, and relationship. Some are as new as COVID-19, but others have been around for far too long. So I invited my good Broadway friend, Avery Summers, who is an award-winning actress-singer whose voice has been called a powerhouse by the New York Times. And I've invited Avery to join us on The Reasonable Voices on the second Monday of every month so we can garner the wisdom from her point of view. As a matter of fact, we're going to call this new series, And So It Is with Avery Summers. Avery was honored to replace Neil Carter on Broadway in Ain't Misbehaving. And on a national tour, she delighted audiences as Matron Mama Morton in Chicago with Chita Rivera and Joel Gray, and charmed them as Jewel in the best little whorehouse in Texas with Ann Margaret. She has worked on Broadway numerous times, played on the road with Broadway national tours, performed regional theater, and she's worked with a nightclub circuit. Most recently, I caught up with her in our beloved New York City to do episodes of Richard Skipper Presents, to play the cabaret convention, and to debut her solo show for sentimental reasons. So welcome back, Avery Summers, my good friend. How are you today? Oh, I am terrific, and I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. And I have to say on a personal note, 
Every time I see the numbers of the virus going up in Florida, I'm, I worry about you. So I wanted to hear your voice, too. <laughs> so it's not just for a radio show. I just want to hear you, okay? Thank you so much. Yes, we're doing all right in my family here, but the numbers are going up. Hopefully everybody will heed the mandate, wear masks, and they say that uh, possibly within three weeks' time we can turn this thing around. Well, I hope so. I don't know who's saying that, but I hope they know what they're talking about. All right. In the meantime, I understand you're working on a new project about Rosa Parks. Tell us about yes. the creator of that. I'd love to know who that is and something about about the playwright. How are you connected and how did you get connected and what are you what are your plans? Where are you in the pre-production process, I guess is what I'm asking. Okay. Her name is Donna Carbone, and she is the manager of the new Burt Reynolds Institute Theater here in West Palm Beach. Uh And I've known her for, I guess, about 10 years during the time that Mr. Reynolds had the theater. And uh, she is now the, the only person working in the theater from that era, from 10 years ago, because, of course, Mr. Reynolds passed on about two years ago. So I was always a student of uh, Mr. Reynolds. I call him that. It's out of respect for him as my teacher, but he always said, call me Bert. But I feel more comfortable calling him Mr. Reynolds. And I always took his class when he would come to town after doing filming out in the world. And recently she asked me would I be involved in directing some pieces and possibly teaching a class. And so I decided I would love to do both. And that's how we got on to working on, it's called The Intersection of Lincoln and Parks, about Rosa Parks. Hmm. That's an interesting title. What does that allude to? Well, it alludes to the fact that there is a great-grandson of President Lincoln, whose name is actually Lincoln Beckwith, His last name is now Beckwith, Mm. but he's the great-grandson of Lincoln. And so in her imagination, she put together the story of the real Rosa Parks and this imaginary person whom she meets on the bus when Mm. she decided to not give up her seat. Ah, very good. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. And she wrote... It was a sort of a 10-minute scene for a class for Mr. Reynolds, and he loved it very much. So when she got to talking about the piece again just recently, I suggested that she needs a prologue and an epilogue Hmm. to make it about an hour long, and uh, we're working on that now. We've got a cast. It's a cast of four, so I'm adding some music to it so that it can have a little bit more authenticity from the era that Rosa Parks lived through. And and we are asked to do it for possibly for the credits for next season. Oh, wow. Well, that would be grand for those who uh, don't know Florida. I, I actually lived in uh, West Palm Beach for a number of years, and the Kravitz is the creme de la creme of theaters down there, although... There are other theaters that I'm sure Avery has worked in, too, down there, that, like the Broward Center. 
where I directed your sister, as a matter of fact. So, you know, there's some great theaters in Florida. You know, I wonder if your playwright, ask her sometimes, just a little bit of trivia, whether she got the idea because she knows this about Lincoln or because this imaginary character just just came to her from her muse, whatever, either is great. But for those who don't know, and I hope I'm correct on this, historians listening, but I do believe Robert Lincoln, the son of Abraham Lincoln, was close, as in physically close, to three presidential assassinations. He, of course, was at Forge Theater, and somehow Garfield, I think Robert Lincoln was involved with an ambulance service, if I've got this correct, and he was he drove the ambulance or was responsible for getting it there for, for President Garfield's assassination. And then he was at the World's Fair for McKinley's assassination. So that's just a little bit of trivia. And if she didn't get her idea from knowing that, if she pulled it from the universe, just tell her, I say, she is truly blessed because somebody's connecting it all and going to do this through her and you and Rosa Parks, and I'm loving it. Okay, enough of what I hope was an accurate history lesson. (laughs) 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 So... This keeps you pretty busy, I, I, I should think. I mean, pre-production, people think it all just happens, you know, like Judy Garland and uh, Mickey Rooney. But there's there's a little more to it. What what's what's happening, and how much time and energy is going into this so far? Well, it, it does keep us quite busy. First of all, his name was R. Todd Lincoln Beckwith, and he was in fact a gentleman farmer, and so he was around in the Chicago area at the time that um, Rosa Parks was there. And it does keep us busy because we, in the audition process for finding Mr. Blake, who was the bus driver, he was in fact the name of the bus driver was Blake. Mm. And so we're looking for him as well as James Blake. As far as finding the actress to portray the Rosa Parks character, uh, we're looking for someone a little younger than I am to play her, but I will also direct this piece, and I am going to introduce Rosa Parks in the prologue that was written by Donna Carbone, so it's quite an undertaking. We are getting ready to possibly do this, as I said, for the credit center, and uh, we're going to possibly do it in maybe about three or four weeks. So we have afternoon rehearsals on Saturday because everybody in the cast works. Uh-huh. So we are, you know what that means. That means putting time in when everybody's got the time to give to us. This is a labor of love at this point, and we are looking for it to become a project that uh, the Kravitz will indeed produce. I know that you and I talked about this and the uh, other possibility is of doing it as a one-woman show for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is a fascinating idea also. Had not thought of that until I mentioned it to you. And um, and it's, it's quite uh, quite an undertaking. I've done several one-woman shows, I'm pleased to say, mm-hmm. and uh, certainly would, uh, would love to sort of dig my way through this piece as well. Well, I, I thank you for giving me credit on air for that idea. But the, the moment you, you spoke to me about it, knowing your work and 
having seen you perform, that that just seemed like a natural idea. But we'll see how it goes. I'm for it either way. But but I think it's a great vehicle for you. However, it comes out in the final analysis. Now you're still casting, uh, not rehearsing yet, right? You're still casting. Correct. We are still casting, and so this coming Saturday we do have casting for James Blake and for looking for Lincoln Beckwith because we had someone in mind. He's a little bit young. He reads well, but we're looking for someone a little bit more mature uh-huh. in the in, in in the reading that we have uh, coming up for this this coming Saturday. We have, in fact. Uh, auditioned for Rosa Parks, and the young lady came in and just really nailed it, as we say. And so I'm, I'm really pleased to uh, have the opportunity to work with her. So that's where we are now. We're in the audition process, which can take quite a bit if, uh, if the right people don't show up. And of course, at, during this time with COVID and everything, People are a little bit concerned about coming out, coming to a theater, sure. uh, and and you know even spending an hour of their time sort of shut in, if you will, in an audition process. So it's it's been you know quite a deal to to get this taken care of. But I do believe that we will have uh, the people that we're looking for this coming weekend. Okay, I was going to also ask you. You you say you're having a reading this Saturday. But you're still casting. Oh, yeah. I misspoke. We're actually casting the show this Saturday. Oh. We're going to have the reading if we had the young man that I thought we did have. Okay. But so now we have another casting, and then hopefully we will have a, a reading during the, during the week of next week. Okay. That's good. So I think you may have already answered this question. You got ahead of me just a bit, but... Uh, since mm-hmm. I since I know you're a singer, as well as an actor, will mm-hmm. the intersection of Lincoln and Parks uh, include hearing you sing in this new project? We will. There are a couple of places where I am going to sing. At the very beginning, before we do the opening prologue, I'm going to sing a little bit of a song called Glory, Glory, Hallelujah. And since I laid my burdens down... Glory, glory, hallelujah, since I laid my burdens down. These are not going to be full songs. They will just be intros and outros to bring focus to the area that we're talking about. And then when we get to the sort of the middle of the show, there are a couple of other things. Like she is, she Rosa is actually taken to jail, as you know. Yes. Um, at that point, she is fine a hefty sum, which they say a hefty sum, and that was fourteen dollars. Mm. That was what it was mm. at that time, and that's a lot of money. Yes. And so there will be protesters there when we get to the bigger production of this, saying that we will not move to the back of the bus, release Rosa Parks, no jail, no fine, take a seat, any seat, and I will sing "We Shall Overcome," which is the iconic song for that kind of era. Yes. Yes. And, uh. and then, you know, there will be, I am deciding about what to sing towards the end of the, the show uh, when she actually, Rosa Parks passes away, and we've got several things going on in that that I think will be quite informative for 
uh, for the public, but I'm going to sing A Change Is Gonna Come, mm. which is that wonderful Sam Cooke Sam Cooke, yes. Wow. This all this is so exciting. You know, I, I specialized in d- developing new works in my New York years, so I always love hearing about the this kind of work, finding new works. I mean, we have a lot of great musicals and plays out there, but I think theater is something that must keep growing, keep evolving. And, and uh, of course, the new writers and, and new actors, things are, they, they need to be fed and, they, and we need to allow them to feed us with their imagination and creativity. Absolutely. I'm wondering, you are also, you know, talking about new works in New York, you and your New York music director, Dana Rowe, who I've met, are creating another show as well, right? Yes, yes, we are. Dana and I, my gosh, just a little history. Dana and I go back about 25 years to the old Caldwell Theater in Boca Raton. Oh, I yes. I don't know if, when you were here. Do yes. you remember that? Yeah, I, I worked there, yes, yes. Oh, okay, <laughs> yes. Wow. Well, gosh, we did a show years ago called You're Gonna Hear From Me. Dana was my musical director at the time, and it's just, I love how life throws you the kinds of curves that it throws you. And if you can catch that ball, you're going to be okay. Because he lives in New York now, has lived there for quite a while. And several years ago, I had a website. And he said, Avery, I will put your website together for you. Now, this goes way back. Mm -hmm. And just in the last couple of years, he got in touch with me. And he said, your website needs to be updated. Do you want to keep the same domain name and blah, blah, and we giggled and talked about things that we had not talked about in a very long time, and then when I was going to do the Richard Skipper show in New York, I called him and asked him to music direct for me, Mm -hmm. and that was the beginning of our reconnection, which I'm just thrilled about, because he's Amazing. I think you would agree with that. Oh, yes, absolutely. Listen, I'm going to have to cut you off, but hold that thought. We're going to hear more about you and Dana Rowe and your other new show. We just need to go to commercial break now, everyone. Please stay with us. We are talking to the Broadway star, my good friend Avery Summers. She has had quite a career on in theater, on Broadway, in cabaret, and, of course, with the late, great Burt Reynolds on television. Please stay with us. We'll be right back with Avery Summers. And now, Broadway's Avery Summers.
Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio program. My guest today, my good friend, Broadway star Avery Summers. She has quite uh, an amazing career and is still going strong. And uh, we've been talking about uh, a bit about um, uh, Mr. Reynolds, as she calls Burt Reynolds, out of respect, with whom she worked quite a bit. He was a teacher of hers and also co-star and all of that on her show. And she's worked with Anne Margaret, Chita Rivera. I mean, all of that we went through, Joel Gray. But we are talking to her now about her second new project that she's been developing for a while with her good friend and New York City music director, Dana Rowe. And I was sorry I had to interrupt. It was a great story. But tell us, can you pick up where you left off at what he's looking for? And he's, he got in touch with you again, reconnected to update your website. It's been quite a while ago. And you had a great chat, and I think we can take it from there. Yes, absolutely, we can take it from there. And thank you again for having me on today. So Dana and I have reconnected, and now it's been, oh, probably about three years. But then in the meantime, we started talking about work, and I was invited to do the cabaret convention in New York last year in 2019. And it was early on in the year. And so we started talking about the show and what was I going to do and what music he would need. And in the process, I mentioned that over the course of several years, I've had a blues show in mind. Mm -hmm. I love all of the, the blues women, the blues songs and all of that sort of stuff. And I at first called it My Blues Women. But in the interim, the, the name of the show and the idea has evolved quite a bit as things and I wanted to have some music that really resonated with where I thought things were uh, in the world, mm -hmm. as I always like to do. And so this show now is now called Didn't It Rain? Avery Summers Sings of Rivers and Blues. Wow. <laughs> I love it. Things do grow, don't they? <laughs> Yes. Yes, they do grow. They do grow. When we talked the other day, I, I had said something similar to that, that, oh, yes, I know. I was describing some work of mine that I've been doing for a couple of years, and my wife gave me a new idea on it, and it has grown mm -hmm. exponentially. And now this same mm -hmm. this is the kind of thing you're talking about. It starts as one thing, but you're open to new ideas. It evolves, it grows, and suddenly, wow, and there it is. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Yes. Tell us more. I mean, it's it just really, um, a, a, the idea of it was so fascinating to me. And then we, at, originally I was going to call it Free to Sing the Blues at Last. Uh, <laughs> so uh. I, I'm, I'm all down for long titles. <laughs> uh. 
and then we started talking about uh, the ideas for the show and why the things came up that they did. And uh, we, we put them into little segments, like the first three or four songs are in segments. So I wanted to sing about the, the years of the African-Americans who came here and the things that sparked their interest and the kinds of music that they sang. So I went to find Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, Down Moses, Steal Away, and Wade in the Water. Those are the first four songs that opened the show. So that's how we came up with the rivers, because those are all water songs, sort of uh, water songs. Yes. And then we moved on from there to Old Man River, which will also be some spoken word, because I did showboat, and I absolutely absolutely love hearing Old Man River every night. Yes. So that, that kind of struck a chord with me. Yes. So then we moved on to How I Got Over and, of course, Didn't It Rain by Mahalia Jackson. And do you know who Rosetta Sark was? No, I don't think so. All right. Well, she was an amazing blues singer. Amazing. And she was copied, actually, by Elvis Presley because... She did the original Hound Dog that Elvis Presley oh. made popular back in uh, 1956. She did that. She put that out there. And so there are two versions of Didn't It Rain, one by Rosetta Stark and the other by Mahalia Jackson, oh. one of my heroines. I love Mahalia Jackson. Yes. So we're going to do two versions of that, and they will be completely different, completely different. Uh. I'm just thrilled. I, I, I could go on and on with, the, with the, the songs in this show and everything about them. And there seem to be two or three ties that bind there. They are water songs, they are blues, and they are about the African-American experience. It's, it's, a good, it's a good little intertwine. That's all intentional, I'm sure. How, uh, yes, it is. Yeah, well, I know you. <laughs> I, I know when you put together a show as and, and when you simply sing a song, there is more to it than the drama and the magnificent voice that we hear. There's always, there's a reminder, if not a lesson, but you, you have to be open to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And those who are open you will be the better for it, I can tell you, because as I said, I, I know, Be- uh, God bless you, Betty. I know, I know Avery so well as a performer, and, and as I, I slip by say Betty because that's her the late sister who uh, I had the good fortune of directing, and it's amazing just to have known them both and to have worked with them. Anyway, you touched on You're Going to Hear From Me, was that also with Dana Rowe? Was that just get me the chronology a little bit, if you could? Yes. Oh yeah. For me, was with Dana, and and as I said, that goes back to the old Caldwell Theater in Brooklyn uh-huh. that oh, he yes. worked in. Yes. And gosh, Dana and I connected with that. He wrote a song for me called "This One for You" because I could only use bars of some songs, so we had to get the rights, of course, you know that, about other songs. Yes. So he wrote a song for me for that show, but yes, this goes back with Dana and I, you're going to hear from me, which I always loved, but it was part of my history 
working on Broadway and the things that I wanted to do, the shows that I thought I was right for, that I did not have the opportunity to do. And that song sort of roamed around in my head for quite a while of wanting to be heard, needing to be heard in the larger sense, I guess you would say, yeah. of, of life, of needing to be heard and wanting to be heard. And so I had that title roaming around, and along with Dana and Michael Hall, who was the theater manager oh, of, the of Caldwell. Oh, yes. Know Michael very well. Yes. You remember Michael, that's oh, right. Yeah. Well, we sat down one day and said, well, now we're going to put a show together for you, Avery, based on you're going to hear from me. And that's how we got started on that particular show. So what are you doing, uh, and is there a connection, I guess is my question, but a connection or not, what are you doing on the 4th of November 2020, if all goes well, for the League of Women Voters of Palm Beach County? Oh, yes. Well, I am going to be doing a song for them and doing a little bit of a speech. Now, the League of Women Voters, this is their... 100th anniversary mm. and of uh, for the League of Women Voters of Palm Beach County, and I was asked to sing a song for them for that, and I was asked to sing a song that I just didn't feel quite comfortable with right now, uh, mm. Marcello. So I had a conversation with the producer, and we talked about it, and then he said, well, all right, I will try to find something for you to sing that I think is going to be good for you, you know, your emotions and what you want to do with it, and also for us to commemorate and celebrate the 100th anniversary of the League of Women Voters. So mm -hmm. we looked around, and we came up with a song that's on my CD called You're Going to Hear From Me. Uh -huh. okay. And so that's where we are with that, and I will do that DVD filming on this coming Thursday. Wow. So you, you really are, I mean, with all the, because I know you teach acting and your studio is big enough to practice social distancing and everyone wears a mask. Yes. So I know you are, yes. as am I, a big proponent of observing the rules to keep everyone safe. But you do seem to be getting an, a lot done no matter what's going on with the coronavirus in Florida. I mean, it's, and my hat off to you, because again, I know you are doing it responsibly. That wasn't, I guess, a question, but if you want to say anything about that, please do. Well, yes, I do. I, I want to make sure that everyone knows that we really, really are following the rules here. And uh, because it is important, all of the people, I have seven people in my class. The place can hold quite a lot of people, but we only wanted enough people. So the CDC said 10 people originally, and, and with Donna and I, that makes nine, and that's it. Hats off. Uh, it's good because the people who come don't come with an attitude about wearing the mask. They wear the mask. They sit where they have been told to sit. Mm -hmm. they're, they're spaced out. They do their work. We don't hang out. We get in. And in an hour and a half, we're out of there. Mm -hmm. So we get a lot done in that hour and a half. I can pack quite a bit of information in that hour and a half, the things that they learn. I call my classes the one, two, threes, and ABCs of acting. Okay. And, yeah, and, and they are new to the business, a lot of them. A lot of them started out a long time ago. They have raised children, so these are not kids. They're adults who are looking to do something, and they've called around 
in this area and they wanted to know was this live or were they going to be doing things virtually. They wanted live classes. Yes. We started on the 18th of May and we've been going strong since then. Excellent. You know, because I get a, a, a lot of requests to teach acting online and I go, you know, I, I wish I thought I could do that. I have to be mm -hmm. in the room. I don't mind not touching people or being touched. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? But I, I need to see them, and they need to see me. And I'm glad you were able to do that and do that safely. I want to. We, we need to go in a bit, but I want to throw out something, maybe a little, let's consider it a, a bit of a teaser for our next show, perhaps. But you didn't want to sing... November 4th, 2020, you, uh, for the League of Women Voters of Palm Beach County, you didn't want to sing God Bless the USA. Can you tell us why? Well, I just, at this point in my life and the climate that we are in now, Marcello, I could not connect emotionally with the words, God Bless the USA, I'm proud to be an American. I, I, I don't connect with that right now. And I need to be very true to myself and true to what I say and sing because there are a lot of people who, I must say, knock on wood, do hear me and they do listen to what I say. Mm -hmm. And I got a lot of feedback from an interview that I did several weeks ago now about Juneteenth. And I want to always do what I call my due diligence and say the things that I think are the correct things in my heart, in my mind, and and always lead with that in my in my life. So I, I just could not sing that song. And so I was really grateful to Gary Schweikert, who is the producer of this, who said, all right, Avery, I am going to find something else that you have sung or that you would like to sing that would be apropos for the League of Women Voters' 100th anniversary. And he came up with, you're going to hear from me. So I'm, I'm just thrilled. So am I. Thanks for sharing that because I, you know, I know the story because you and I have talked about it. But I wanted everyone to hear that as it is, shall we call it, foreshadowing of uh, shows with you to come. There's so much to be discussed and to learn, different points of view, uh -huh. cultures, and so forth. If you've got a moment, I want to ask you one thing. Mm -hmm. Why is learning new things? This is something you mentioned to me in the past, not just in passing. You, you had a point to make, but it stuck with me. And so I'm going to ask you, and it will be the last question, <laughs> I promise. But why is learning new things? Because I love learning new things. And when you said this to me, I thought, hmm, why is learning new things, as in factual truth that has been subdued or indeed hidden from most of us, so uncomfortable, do you think? Gosh, I, that's the $64,000 question, and I really wish that I had a, a packed, set answer for that. It's very uncomfortable to learn something about oneself that that makes them actually look in the mirror and have to say, oh my gosh, I've been doing this wrong for these many years, mm. or maybe not wrong, but it, it hasn't served anyone. It's only served me, quote unquote, me, 
in, in the doing of it or the learning of it or the saying of it. And so it, it just pushes people against a certain kind of wall that they don't want to get up against because they don't realize that they can just simply turn around and face another fact. Mm. You don't have to stay up against that wall. You can turn around and look and see a whole new world. There's a whole nother world going on. And when we push ourselves up against the wall and say, oh, my eyes are closed so it doesn't exist, that is unfortunate and it's unfair to a whole nother kind of lifestyle that you could live. That's my thought. Yes. Okay. I'm not going to expound on that. I'll tell everyone listening, you need to come back in a month. We will be pre-recording on the second Monday in August. And you will hear it here. We are going to go forward in this. In the meantime, I'm going to say it first because I love it. It was Avery's idea. But in the meantime, and so it is with Avery Summers, Monday, July 13th, 2020. By the way, Monday, July 13th is the anniversary of the first time the hashtag Black Lives Matter was used. Avery, any parting words before we go? Okay, so I am very excited about the possibility of talking with your wonderful guests and your wonderful audience in our next segment. And God bless you all. Take care. We'll see you then. And so it is. Thank you so much, Avery. You know I love you and I greatly appreciate you being on the show and I'm looking forward to doing a series and maybe we'll hit it on Facebook and see if we can get people who have their stories that they want to tell and we can get them on and the conversation can be between you and them and I'll do the listening. I would love that. Oh, that would be wonderful. All right, I'm going to give it a try then. All, okay, thank you so very much again. Avery Summers on our show today, everyone. Avery, you want to shout out a website? Yes, AveriesummersSinger.com. Simple enough? Okay. AveriesummersSinger.com. And, of course, that's S-O-M-M-E-R-S. Thank you, Avery. God bless, okay? God bless you. Bye now. And now, my friend, Broadway's Avery Summers. That's what I'm 
Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Let's make good trouble get in the way of our bad president. Self-medicating at night more often to get more than five hours sleep, seizing on a Bitcoin request, sailing off on a ship of Twitter fools soon parted from their money, seeing a familiar supremacist playbook do we speak up, say something, do something morally courageous like exercise the right of the people peaceably to assemble? Are we so oblivious to fascists transforming American dream into a confused nightmare, thinking freedom of speech gives us the right to endanger others, especially in southern states bearing the additional burden of conservative Republican governors' arrogance and ignorance, failing constituents by not engaging the common sense of lockdowns and humanitarian patriotism of wearing masks. Ignorance is not bliss. It's been killing thousands of Americans every day, long before COVID-19 was aggravated by the Trump. Sometime after midnight, Thursday, 16 July 2020, still heavy laden by thoughts of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg facing another battle with cancer, and the cancerous tissue reconstructing Lincoln's Republican Party, I decided to try sleeping. But by 7 a.m. Friday, 17 July 2020, I was calling my political mentor, who in 2008 was the Democratic nominee for Congress for Virginia's 4th District, who had years ago invited me to an exploratory meeting as a potential communications director, introducing me to her table team, including an older gentleman at its head. I shook the hand of the Reverend Dr. C. T. Vivian for the first time. Now I was calling to tell her of his death. Shortly before midnight, 
Friday, 17 July, 2020. My screens lit up with a Washington Post news alert. John Lewis, frontline civil rights leader and eminence of Capitol Hill, dies at 80. I was so overwhelmed by the sense of loss to American moral and intellectual leadership that for a moment I forgot the reality of the ineptitude and immorality of Donald Trump, now pushing to stop new money for CDC testing and tracking our homeland pandemic. Only almighty universal power decides when to cut off the tree of life of two such mighty oaks, whose justice for all roots dare to inspire peace in the face of physical brutality, unlawful arrest, and a president refusing to preserve, protect, and defend we the people. The branches of such giants will continue to provide inviting shade for those weary of delays and half-measures, seeking true democracy in the rejuvenating sanctuary of good trouble. Walking in the shadow of death, we remember all who lost their fight to live, defeated by anti-American conservative senators, governor clones of an apathetic president, and the greed of corporate political handlers willingly risking the lives of schoolchildren. Let's get in the way of those who abuse medical staffs and grieving families targeted by COVID-19 and emulating John Lewis and C.T. Vivian insist, get thee behind us, selfishness, ignorance, and the make-America-great-again arrogance-infected Republican Party. Although in the midst of the Trump plague, not COVID-19 nor SARS-CoV-2, but our own infectious diseases exposed by the coronavirus, while we were the home of the brave when, one, united for independence for all, two, preserving our union, three, sacrificing at home and abroad to save the world from the Axis powers far too similar to our current federal leadership, and four, peaceful marchers protesting systemic racism, asking only that America keeps its promises. We have never been the land of the free, not completely, not ever. Because the problem is not just the symbols, but the house divided against itself champions they celebrate. Although a repugnant example of our extreme inhumanity to humankind, it was never just Trump. It's the journey from Dulles and Koch brothers to Karl Rove and Steve Bannon, from Nixon and trickle-down to Bush-Cheney forever wars. It's a post-FDR's 1945 death GOP, free at last, aided and abetted by Mitch McConnell's 1984 election, now looking the other way when, with impunity, Trump's private police kidnaps American citizens off of American streets in Portland, Oregon. Evidently auditioning to replace Netflix's World War II documentaries, Trump's Public Affairs Guidance, CPP, Support to Protect Federal Facilities and Property, marked for official use only, enables a special task force created by the Department of Homeland Security in response to President Trump's executive order on protecting American monuments, memorials, and statues, and combating recent criminal violence. The task force, the Protecting American Communities Task Force Pact, has been tasked not only to assess civil unrest, but also to, quoting, surge responses to protect against it, unquote. It's time we stop fighting among ourselves and in ensemble recognize 
the greatest threats to America have been ensconced in our White House by supreme dirty money, whose suppliers are not likely to accept negative returns on their investment. As goes advocates for peace and justice for all, so goes America. Are we there yet? No. But following examples of better heroes, we're closer, as a three-year-old plainly sees. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.